crack open your storybooks because tonight we watched A Winter's Tale. It's just Winter's Tale. <laughs> a Winter's Tale. Oh boy. <laughs> Perfect. It's like we're not even trying. <laughs> Welcome to the Flop House. I'm Dan McCoy. Great job, Dan. I'm Stuart. <laughs> Stuart you. Wellington. Thank you. And I'm Elliot Kalen, and we're off to a bang-up start. <laughs> Don't off. jinx it, dude. I'm giving a us an of... A-plus for this episode so far. Positive energy in this room. Are, I'm loving it. How are my levels? Your levels? <laughs> At 100% awesome and super great. Oh, wow. That's better than normal. Off the charts, I would say. <laughs> wow. The charts are very small, though. <laughs> sure. Yes. I should have bought bigger charts. The problem is <laughs> I bought the smallest charts thinking they'd be the cheapest charts, but now I'm writing on the, the table. So I'm you going. gotta buy a new yeah. table. It's costing you more. Yeah. So your early comment was damning with faint praise. Well I mean it wasn't that faint. Well, I mean in, it was, if you in that it was damning faint praise river, which sure. floods its banks every year. <laughs> okay. We gotta put this flood up to save this dam up to save the town. <laughs> Well, I think that the early positive energy is dissipated now. I'm giving us a C minus now. <laughs> but Guys, an A for effort. I'll take the blame for that. I'm in the wrong. But hey, I'm a big enough man to admit it. I'm giving Which us- is ironic because I'm actually quite a small man. Sure. I ride around in Dan's pocket at work. <laughs> I'm giving us an A for effort and a B for Beffert. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is that a thing? <laughs> it is now. So tonight, hear that, Webster's? Make another entry in your stupid dictionary. <laughs> yeah, Beffert. Yeah, Urban Dictionary. Update it to not be a weird sex Word thing. Word of the year, 2015. <laughs> I'm calling it now, Beffert. As soon as we figure out what it means and how you use it, it's gonna be everywhere. Hashtag Beffert. <laughs> and the wa- hashtag your tweets Beffert. <laughs> and the way Don't these uh, websites, desperate. so to speak, have been doing their word of the year uh <laughs> things like way early yeah, yeah in, they do them in April. like october or something and you're like what the year's not even done yet i could make up like seven words <laughs> new word what if there's a new great thanksgiving word that everyone starts using like squeegis i just made that word up it's a great word <laughs> or krangleman <laughs> these are all perfectly krangleman's more of a, a, a job well no krangleman is the plural of krangleman <laughs> So, uh, it's German. In addition to being man of Krangle, <laughs> in addition to being an etymology podcast, this is also um, a bad movie podcast where we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. And tonight, boy, howdy, we oh. put in a lot of Beffert on this one. Let me tell you, <laughs> we put in two hours of Beffert. We got a real C for Beffert. <laughs> it's uh, the the title of this film was Winter's Tale, not the Winter's Tale or a Winter's Tale. Um, or Edgar Winter's Tale. No. <laughs> or Jonathan Winter's Tale. All those things would be better. This was a fantasy romance, a magical realist tale. Now, let me of tell you first off the, off the bat this is based on a book I've never read, but I remember seeing the cover a lot when I worked at Barnes Noble. And what did the cover look like? 
It was kind of a moody atmospheric shot of light streaming through the windows of Grand Central Station. Were you called like a genius or something when you worked there? Or did you have any kind of cool title? Or did you have a uniform? Uh, I worked. Did people bring in their old paper bags to have you fix them? <laughs> I would lay my healing hands upon them. People would bring in defective books, by which they meant yeah. books they didn't like the endings of. Sure. And I would lay my hands on them, and miraculously, the books would now have a more satisfying It's basically ending. a stack of Stephen King novels, right? Did- Ooh. Yeah, that's true. Burn. Take that most successful author in history. Take that great successful author who somehow only has three satisfying endings for books ever. Name possibly. Em. Name them. Yeah, name them. Uh, Eyes of the Dragon. Pet Cemetery. I, I liked the end to uh, that Kennedy one. Kennedy uh, I, I didn't read that, that shit. Okay. I was about to say Cell, but that one does not have a particularly no. satisfying ending. What about the stand where the, no, the thing just explodes? <laughs> the, uh, the hand of, of God <laughs> crunches it down. We love you, Stephen King. What about it where all those kids have a gangbang? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That wasn't so great. It's either. an interesting ending. I mean, a lot of that. his short stories I was not expecting it. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, he's such a great short story writer. He, 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 like, he understands how to structure a short story, but like, I think that... He just gets. He seems to get tired. At the I gotta end of tell his you, novel. he gets like space madness by the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the uh, the long walk and the running man. I like the endings of both of those. Novellas. Those, those aren't even. And what? Those are novellas. You, so you, think you give them a pass on those? Yeah. So what? Is they they fall into the gray area, no man's land. Or <laughs> yep. When they die, they go to limbo. The, the Stephen King marches, they call them. <laughs> the disputed territory the between havens. short and long. <laughs> Yeah, those, so anyway, those are those exist in, in a sort of uh, uh, Schrodinger state of neither book. nor I mean, short they're probably story. in his fucking gunslinger <laughs> books because they're super meta. The Dark Tower books. Yeah. OK, yeah. well, let's just get to talking about this shitty. Movie. Now, here's the thing I was going to say about Winter's Tale. It's got a lot. I'd never read the book, but it's got a lot of elements that if I had known were in it, I might have read it. It's set in New York's past. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's set in, from the 1890s to 1916. And beyond, spoiler alert. Okay. Uh, it's got Russell Crowe's in it. <laughs> not in the book. It's got fantasy elements, but it's still set in a real worldish setting. Yeah, magical realism. It's called. Uh, but a it's term not. For that. It, well, no, but it's not magical realism. Magical realism is a is a more of a Gabriel Garcia Marquez type thing where it is not really Gunter- just named an author. Well, no, but I was really going to say like it. where in his books it's more a sense of like this is our world, but there are kind of inexplicable things that happen. Or strange kind of whimsical coincidences. No, there's serendipitous things. This was just an out and out fantasy. There's, there's magic. There's a flying horse. That's true. There's miracles. Like there's, in the Tin Drum, where that little dude just stops growing and yeah. then he can scream and break glass. I mean, and that, I think that actually is closer to magical realism. Yeah, yeah. This is more. Yeah, this is like a fantasy. This is a fantasy that story. Has like that's like describing Buffy as magical realism. Yeah, Buffy exactly. the Vampire Slayer, not Buffy some person. <laughs> <laughs> you know, our, that person could be magical you know, realism. Our, I don't our know. Our pal Buffy <laughs> down <laughs> to the DMV. <laughs> she Wait, works. She works at. The, I didn't know we had a friend of the DMV. <laughs> she works at the DMV, but every now and then the ghost of her abuela comes and gives her advice. So that's magical realism right there. Yeah, <laughs> and she cries into every license that she issues, <laughs> <laughs> and those tears give people good luck in their driving mm-hmm. yeah uh so i would say this is i would call this historical fantasy sure the same way that like uh what was that kurt buziak carlos pachecho comic book where I, it was world war one but they had syllables they had like dragons, dragons and, and, and gnomes and stuff oh. aerosmith i think yes that's what it's yeah that's historical fantasy oh yeah walk this way <laughs> no <laughs> 
Yeah, the historical fantasy of Aerosmith. That dude looks like a lady. He must have cast a spell of illusion on himself. Sure. A, a spell of lady looking like. It was so good it had me crying. It was amazing. It was crazy. <laughs> it's What other band had three songs in a row that were the same song? Name a band. <laughs> That is that is magic. <laughs> Talk about magical realism. <laughs> a band they, so yeah, good. Yeah, leave it up to the toxic twins to, they, to, to make music that is magical realism. Pulled the wool over America's eyes. <laughs> uh, Pull the wool would be a great Aerosmith album. Yeah. That would be a great title for Aerosmith. Pull the wool with the songs Lazen, Maisie. <laughs> And hazy, hazy, <laughs> and adjacent, and adjacent, adjacent, and chastened, adjacent versus crying, adjacent. We're in an elevator. Uh, oh no, a witch cast a love spell on this elevator. Now, now we're going up as it's we're, going down. We're living it, it up as we're going down. That's what it was. Going up. That's not even a euphemism. <laughs> No, look, Steven Tyler's just beyond me. I don't know. Anyway, it's Steven Tyler, Stephen King, two great American <laughs> poets. <laughs> when are they finally going to work together? Um, so anyway, for it looks like a lady. <laughs> sure, that's when Pennywise has long hair and a scarf <laughs> and a flowing <laughs> scarf tied to a mic stand. Because <laughs> Steven Tyler's always worried his mic stand's a little too cold. Let's tie a scarf around it. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about this movie. Is about yeah. it's a fantasy set in old New York. So it's 1895. There's an immigrant couple from somewhere, and they don't yeah. get past Ellis Island because they have consumption. Their infant son is not allowed in. So they in, a, in <clears throat> shades the, shades of Superman here for the listeners at home. Moses. Consumption is the Doc Holiday disease. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or any like pretty lady in an old movie. Any old thing they needed someone to die. They <laughs> that that informs a lot as to your taste, Dan. I mean, I think it's essentially tuberculosis, right? Yeah, it is, I mean, yeah. It's one of those, but, I mean, isn't the point just like it's a disease where, like, you can basically show the disease by just a bunch of coughing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The and telltale being, red spot. But, yeah, being pale and delicate and dying. Mm-hmm. As all the most beautiful women are, according to Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> sure. yeah. So they, shades of Superman or Moses. I prefer to say Superman because... Uh, the Moses Super story Moses. is actually more believable than the one in this movie. That's true. They put their baby in a t- in a model boat called the City of Justice. Now, I, they I spaced out. They set it adrift in New York Harbor. Can I ask you and something? And then it, I guess, makes its way to shore. The baby doesn't die of exposure. Yeah? I spaced out at the beginning of this movie. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, ate, it ate fish so how, and shit on the way. How entertaining, <laughs> fish and shit. how entertaining this movie was was that I spaced out early. Although, to be fair, my... Downstairs neighbors were booming loud music, so that was distracting. Well, but. the movie opens. Yeah, I think you spaced out because the movie opens with a voiceover about how like stars are full of miracles, and when they die, you become a star. And <laughs> My grandma always told but, me that yeah. Yeah, legions of angels need to battle. <laughs> but where do they werewolves. find this? Where did they find this tiny boat? Because <laughs> it was like a perfect. I think they stole it. I think it shows the dead stealing it from a display, like on the ship they're okay. on or in Ellis Island. I couldn't quite. All right, I wasn't quite sure. Anyway, it's like a perfect. You know, one baby model boat. It's a baby baby boat. They were at they were at Babies R Us in the baby boat section, (laughs) and he they just took it. Okay, and so that baby floated to New York, where it became Colin Farrell. Where in twenty one years, nineteen. Now we've also seen a prologue in which a a Colin Farrell with long hair 
is in a room and he finds a nameplate for the City of Justice boat. 1895, baby gets put in the boat. Now it's 1916. Baby got boat. <laughs> <laughs> Even a grown-up's got to shout, baby got boat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like little boats, and I cannot lie. I'm a baby. <laughs> I, you're, and I, and I didn't die? On this new career of yours is Baby Weird Al, I guess. <laughs> yeah, because I do baby versions of other songs. So, like, give me another song. I'll do a baby version of it. Uh, but you're not you're not like a baby call that me looks baby. like Weird Al. That's easy. Call me baby. I'm sorry. I, that was a gimme. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm pooping in my pants, and it seems crazy. <laughs> but here's the problem. I'm a baby. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way it good does. Good stuff. Uh... Yeah, give me another one. Uh, I don't even know what's rolling in the deep. <laughs> um, rolling in the diaper. Done. Okay. Okay, great. They call me Al Jr. Um, okay, so it's yeah. 1916, and Colin Farrell <laughs> has grown up to become Peter Lake, a ner'duel thief who is in the gang. Is in a gang. He's named after where they fished him out of, right? He's what? They fished him out of a lake or something, so they named him Peter Lake. Uh, I mean, they didn't fish him out of a lake, really. He was in the harbor, like the New York Harbor, the Hudson yeah. River, or something. It's kind of the same thing, though, right? Uh, I mean, in that oh, they're all bodies of water. Maybe yeah. the person who found him didn't know the difference. That's very possible. <laughs> it was uh, me. He is being chased by a gang led by Russell Crowe, who is a gangster demon named Pearly Soames. Uh, and Colin Farrell was a member of that gang, and Pearly Soames had big plans for him, and now Colin Farrell wants to leave, so now Russell Crowe hates him. And he's saved at the last minute by a mysterious winged white horse named Horse. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> you, 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 you glossed over Russell Crowe's uh, Irish Popeye accent, though. I mean, Well, let's talk about it. It's probably the He's most interesting. Yeah. It sounds <laughs> like it's Popeye was It's Irish. probably the yeah. most fun performance in the movie. It's the well, hammiest, as certainly. As the demon villain, he gets to ham it up and chew the scenery. The only other demon who really gets to uh, gets the chance is Will Smith as Lucifer, which uh-huh. comes as kind of a surprise partway through the movie. But he plays it pretty subdued. Like, yeah. he, he's still pretty Willennium-style Will and doesn't want to, even though he is, I guess, the Prince of Darkness, the fallen morning star, he doesn't want to show any too much emotion yeah he's doing his best cypher rage impression <laughs> but what i like about what i like about this uh, synopsis so far is i imagine the listener being like oh man they must be glossing over a lot of stuff no it's just as inexplicable as it's it sounds baby boat baby to boat man running from to, gang to will to flying horse to demon to flying horse uh so he decides he's gonna he's gonna steal from one last house and one last job one last he retires job. from being a demon henchman, I guess. So he Basically. rides his magic horse over to Prospect Park, mm-hmm. ties yeah. it up, and then uses a fucking grappling hook to climb up the side of a I house. Mean, we don't see the grappling hook. We totally see the grappling hook. I don't remember that part. That's I, how he climbs up the side of the house. I mean, later he does climb up the side of a castle to have sex with a dying girl in a tent. Do you think so he maybe used he the grappling hook, or he floated up on his? We'll get to that. He's later. probably got like a bionic commando style arm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, he's like a regular X fifty one machine man. Yeah, there's nothing in the movie that says he doesn't have a grappling hook shooting arm. That's yeah. true. There's nothing in the movie that says he isn't Rorschach mm-hmm. and doesn't have a grappling hook gun, or that he can't play football. There's nothing in the movie. <laughs> nothing that says in the movie that, that says that. You know what? Put him in. <laughs> we'll see. His miracle white horse scored the touchdown. <laughs> Nothing uh, in the rule book that says the TriStar Pictures logo can't play on the team. <laughs> anyway, so he go he's robbing a mansion of Beverly Penn. Who is played family. by uh you may know her as the Lady Sybil from uh Downton Abbey. Uh I forget her name. Uh, Elizabeth <clears throat> uh, something Finlay, I think. 
and uh, love, lovely lady. You can IMDb it. She's the one who uh, married the anarchist uh, driver. The butler? The butler yeah. driver? Yeah. Like, like, and oh, the then driver, died Jason of, Statham, the and driver. And then she died of preeclampsia. Spoiler alert. Is, Spoiler alert. Is Vivian the anarchist, or is it Rick Miles' character? Rick, <laughs> no. No, Rick is the anarchist. Okay. Vivian is the punk metalhead. Okay, yeah. Neil is the hippie, and Mike is the Thatcherite capitalist. So she married Rick Miles' character. Uh-huh. That's right. She, she married wishes, one of the young ones. He's everyone's favorite character. I mean, come on, yeah. let's face it. Rick is the best one. What a great show, huh? Why <sighs> couldn't we watch we that? We should watch like th- three or four episodes of that instead of two hours of this shit. Yeah, anyway, so Beverly Penn. Maybe see a musical performance by Crowded House or something. Yeah, or Motorhead. Sure. Or uh, Dexie's Midnight Runners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or Alexi Sale ones, singing that weird song about Doc Martin's boots. <laughs> Look, I know that we've got a lot of young people in our audience who may not be familiar with the young ones. Look it up. Look it up. Get the DVDs from Netflix if they exist. Yeah. Go straight to the first episode of season two, Bambi. That's the best episode. The one where they're on University Challenge. So and Motorhead they sh- plays. They should start with the best episode first. That's like watching Akira first and then I mean, watching other like Japanese animation. But I feel like, like that's how every person... Everyone already just did disappointed. It. <laughs> before, <laughs> before your Pokemons and your Digimons, every every guy got into there's not anime a with Akira. Young ones mythology that they need to follow. Like, and there's only twelve episodes in the yeah. whole series, right? They only did two seasons. Yeah, I don't know. When they did like and they bottom all, and all that, they all other die shit. in a bus explosion at the end <laughs> of the last episode. So, spoiler alert: it doesn't matter. They die in other episodes too. In the Bambi episode, Vivian, uh, uh, yeah, Vivian gets his head knocked off by a train. <laughs> but. uh Anyway, so the house is run, owned by the Penn family. William Hurt is the dad, and he's a newspaper editor. And his daughter, and his inexplicably English-accented daughter, since nobody else in the family has an English accent, uh, is dying of consumption. And in fact, her fever is so hot that later in the movie she has to sleep outside because only the snows can cool her down enough to live. Uh, she catches Colin Farrell robbing the house, and they, of course, have tea and fall in love. Adorable. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? you yeah. Know, a roguish uh, thief like. Now Colin it's established Farrell. that every person has a miracle inside them, and it's their destiny to try ah, to. Ah, get it out of me! <laughs> <laughs> Dan starts cut, stabbing at himself with a letter opener. <laughs> no, I don't want it. But I think. I think this don't scene... worry, Dan. It's just a bullshit movie. Okay. Oh, oh, thank God. It isn't until the scene where they're like talking like after she catches him trying to like steal shit from her house. That's the first time where there's any actual like characters or non-magical bullshit going on. That's the first scene where like, where two characters kind of have a conversation. And yeah, as I said at the time, it was the closest I came to enjoying the movie. Cause like that was a scenario that I was like, Oh, this is like an interesting scenario. Guy comes to rob house. The lady catches them and they sit down and have to after, after taking a bath. Yeah. After she takes a bath, teasing Dan with the possibility of nudity and yet not did paying not, off. Did, yeah. If the, one of many reasons to be angry at this movie. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Later you get to see her side boob in silhouette Look, through a tent. Uh, mm-hmm. you don't try and don't patronize me. <laughs> <laughs> don't patronize my side boob silhouette store. <laughs> we don't need your business. Your money's no good here. Uh, so then, so, so he believes... They start to everyone get I guess gets to believe that his miracle is to save Beverly, the girl mm-hmm. who's dying of consumption. So the gangster decides he's gonna ruin Peter's life by stop making it unable for him to do this by killing Beverly first. Yeah, uh, some kind of vision where he paints a picture of her using. They blood. go to the Grand Central Oyster Bar 
and he slashes <clears throat> a guy across the throat and uses the blood to paint this picture of a red-haired woman looking at the moon. And he's like, that's who it is. Find the red-haired woman. Except he says it like, oh, that's, that's who it is. Oh, I'm Well, blow me down. Faith and Begora. Oh, and I'm gonna go over here. See, it's yeah. going I'm gonna, gonna talk out of my breath, and we're not gonna animate my mouth for this part because Jack Mercer is just putting it in after the fact. <laughs> and you can see Kevin Corgan standing next to him, rolling his eyes and waiting to cash that check he got for the movie <laughs> as the henchman. And yet Billy Corgan nowhere to be found. No, a spooky-looking guy with a ton of star shit. Shouldn't he be floating around with melancholy and all that other infinite garbage? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> melancholy and the infinite garbage. That's what it was called. That's. It makes me think there's like some kind of 60s science fiction story where there's just infinite garbage. (laughs) It's called Wally, dude. Who discovered a planet of infinite garbage. I guess Wally is melancholy. He is very sad because he's lonely. The only movie he has to watch is Hello, Dolly. Which is not a very good movie. But he learns to love from it. So, you know, that teaches us that there's something in every movie that we could be taking. Except Winter's Tale. Yeah. Which we'll continue with. Uh they try to kill the girl, and Colin Farrell saves her with his magic horse, and this continues the theme of the movie, which is the magic horse saving Colin Farrell when he fucks up. Yeah. Uh, they escape the bad, the bad guys because Pearlie is supernaturally bound to New York. He cannot leave the five boroughs, and so they escape to, you know, up above, you know, in like... Hamptons or something. Yeah, somewhere north of it. Uh, at the family's summer home, where it's still snowing, it's still winter. Uh, and this is when I'm uh, checking up again on Wikipedia that Beverly explains that everyone is born with a miracle inside, and when yep. they die, they become stars. <laughs> yeah. Now, We're all made of star stuff, as Carl Sagan would say. I mean, we are technically made of star stuff. Yeah. But when we die, we, our souls don't float up and add to stars. How do you know, Elliot? Well, because the sky does not change every night when <laughs> thousands, if not millions, of people are dead. Sure. So many people die every day. This constellations would be constantly shifting. Yeah, but I mean, if you want to become a star, you need to like insult a god or goddess, or like do something else. Like yeah, of you got you to like well, beat a goddess in a sewing costume or co- contest, or go on America's Got Talent and really wow the judges. Exactly, and that's your yeah. shortcut to stardom. Maybe the only the only the really or like maybe important. have a viral sex tape that like somehow gets you a career as a famous gad about. Okay, viral in a computer sense, not yeah, like not outbreak. Like, <laughs> <laughs> We're yeah. having sex with a monkey again. <laughs> again. Here not we like, go again. It's me, the famous patient zero. <laughs> I'm the guy who had sex with that monkey and then spread it to humanity. Book deal, please. <laughs> Who's going to play me in a movie? Vin Diesel or uh, Chris Pine? Let's see. I was just saying that maybe, like, you know, only the really important people become full stars. And then everyone else just, you know, like, they just add a little extra star to but like how do one you, of the existing how do you stars. Get, how do you gauge who's an important person? Uh, like, money. does George W. Bush get to be a star because he was president? Uh, so it's like in certain mythologies that when you die, you cross the Bridge of Swords and all the men you've slain serve you in the afterlife. That's not what I was saying, but okay. yes. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> All right, so I guess everybody slays some men so you can have some servants when you cross the Bridge of Swords yeah, to Sword want, Town. Yeah, you don't want to serve somebody else. I would I would cross the Bridge of Sheets. Much less sharp. Okay. You don't have to worry about pricking your feet. Wait, it's made out of sheeps? Yeah, sheeps. The Bridge of Sheeps. Yeah. You can't. You fall asleep halfway through because you're counting your steps. Uh, so they... He, Lucifer says, I'm not going to let you... He asked Lucifer... Will Smith. Will, he asked Will Smith, mm-hmm. hey... 
Will, uh, can I can I do this? Can I get jiggy with this and leave the five? He bros says it way funnier than you just said it. What do you mean way funnier? He said it in his little Popeye voice. Skip it out. <laughs> hey, look, uh, I want to say welcome to Miami, but I can't do that <laughs> yeah. while I'm stuck in the five bros. Can I leave? And Lucifer says no. Mm-hmm. So instead, Russell Crowe calls in a favor with another angel of the demons, and uh, that guy poisons Beverly's drink at a dance. At the Colin Farrell and Beverly go to the dance. They dance a lot. Then she she's sleeping in her roof tent, and she undresses before the, an, before a candle so that her sexy silhouette mm-hmm. is seen through. And then she just steps outside and takes her clothes off. He appears in her tent, which means either he climbed it up up at like Spider Man or Lupin <laughs> the Third or something. Or <laughs> that wouldn't be a very Lupin the Third move. <laughs> or it means that he somehow convinced the flying horse to. Just Make carry him up call. there so he could do it. Yeah, like <laughs> yep. to be his wing horse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that horse is into he it. He tricked him I mean, into like, like, The horse look, is horse. watching, probably. Come on. Yeah. Horse. Horse. Come on. Horse. 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 Be a bro. Of... Come on. Come on. Do me a solid. Come on. We know be... what's going to happen. Come here. on. Be horse. a bro. I'd do the same for you Come if there on. was some fine filly up there. It's and you weren't, of course, gelded. Yeah. Yeah, I'd fly up there with my wings. My man wings. I'd fly you up there on my man wings if I had them. Yeah, we'd do the same for you. Come on. You climb on me. Man, horse riding a man. No one's seen it before, but I would do it. That's a story. Man rides horse. That's not a story. No. Horse rides man. Now you're talking. That's, ma- sell, that's sell magic the realism. Papes. We'll sell all the papes because we're newsies now. Yeah. Not oldsies. Nobody wants oldsies, which is people who collect old newspapers and sell them to fish as overcoats. We want to be newsies. We sell newspapers to people for reading. <laughs> anyway, horse, I guess what I'm saying is get me up that fucking castle because I got to get in it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I got to get up in I'm that. saying I got to have it. It's 1916. For all I know, I could be sent to the fucking Western Front. Just die in no man's land with some mm-hmm. barbed wire and shit and machine guns chattering, all that <laughs> stuff, farewelling to arms and who gives a shit. Horse. So I guess what I'm saying is let's – Take me up there so I can get this thing over with, huh? Horse, this lady has been teasing us all night. <laughs> what with her going into baths and her diphonious uh, nightgowns. Let me put diphonious it. and yeah. diaphanous. Diaphanous. Not diphonious, diphonious. Which would be two phonies. That's Greek. That's the Greek god of yep. two phonies. <laughs> Polonius' brother. <laughs> diphonious. With her, Dion- with her Dionysus nightgowns. Yeah, yeah. Let me put it in words you understand, horse. She is literally the carrot on the end of the stick. <laughs> yeah, hey, look, I've heard hay is for horses. There is a crap load of hay in this for you if you'll get me up there. I don't care. Lifetime of hay. I don't care what it takes. You want a carrot? Great. You want a sugar cube? Great. You want a carrot inside a sugar cube? I'll make it happen. Wrap it up in hay, swallow that whole fucking thing down. Just do it and get me up there because I don't care. Just fly me up there. Fly me up there. Fly me up there. I'm going to keep saying it until you do it. Fly me up there. Fly me up there. Fly me up there. Fly me up there. Can you see how into this I am? You, She is into me, man, and you are standing Horse, in my way. I am sitting on your back right now, so I know you can feel my boner. <laughs> you up. are hoof-blocking me, man. Why would you do this to a bro? Yeah. Bros so, before hooves, dude. So all of that happened exactly <laughs> as we described. <laughs> it was a great scene. Anyway, they go up and have sex. And uh, as with all first times having sex, it's magical and it feels great for both of them. And she dies. <laughs> and her dad doesn't walk in. It's not, and she dies. It's not Le Petit Mort. It's Le, Le Grand, Grand Mort. Mort. <laughs> yeah. It's El Muerto Grande. Yeah. <laughs> this is an Ariana Muerto Grande <laughs> going on here. Uh, 
she dies, and he is heartbroken. So when Pearlie shows up at the foot of the Brooklyn Bridge with an army of men, and they fight each other, uh, and he headbutts Colin Farrell off the bridge with five headbutts in a row, <laughs> and Colin Farrell... Using all different parts of his head when he butts them, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, like the Native Americans, he uses all parts of the head <laughs> when he headbutts people. So many butts. And Dan was like, butts? No, they were headbutts. Sorry, yeah. Dan. The Shame. worst kind of butts. Yeah. Butts on someone's head. A Ponda Beba, if you will. <laughs> so named after the Star Wars Cantina character who had a butt on his face. Anyway, Colin Farrell falls into the water, and here's where he crawls out, and suddenly it's 2014. And he's apparently been wandering around for a hundred years, not remembering who he was, but being mysteriously drawn to Beverly's grave. How he le- lives that long? Because he's got to accomplish his miracle, dudes. The miracle on ice at the 1980 Olympics. He wins that gold medal. Do you believe in miracles? USA, USA. Still an amnesiac. Uh, I'm amazed they didn't have a montage a la X-Men Origins Wolverine of him fighting in every war between then and now. That would have been yeah. great. But they didn't do that. Or him just like walking, or him doing like chalk paintings while people fight around him. Because <laughs> he does a lot of chalk drawings of that same image that Russell Crowe painted in blood of a red-haired girl staring at the moon. Now, 2014, he's in Central Park wandering around like a hobo who has an apartment and somehow affords, like you were saying, food and clothes and things, even though he's an amnesiac with no job. Uh, and he bumps into a little girl and meets her mother, Virginia, played by Jennifer Connelly. Who I guess is just walking around her neighborhood in Park yeah. Slope, Brooklyn. <laughs> Except they were in Central Park when they bumped into each other. That's what's so weird. But it looks like, well, you're probably right. Yeah, Earlier gonna, they were in Prospect Park. If I'm going to give this movie anything, I'll give it that uh, there were a couple times where I'm like, oh, William Hurt. Oh, Jennifer Connelly. Nice to see you guys. Nice to see you guys working. It seems like you've been away from movies. Look, Eva for a Marie while. Saint shows up. Yeah. She's a piece of classic Hollywood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When was the last time we saw Kevin her? Kevin Corrigan. Man of Steel? Yeah. <laughs> Kevin Corrigan, a living link to the past. <laughs> uh, so good casting, I guess. Oh, Undertale. I mean, I like Russell Crowe. Yeah. I for mean. the most part, as an actor. Mm-hmm. When he's not singing. I mean, the heyday of when he could do a movie like The Insider and, like, disappear into a character seems to be over. I blame Cinderella Man. I think that was the breaking point. But anyway, the— And Colin Farrell has been good in things before. uh, Not this. No, not this. Because now he—I forget what happens, but he somehow is like, you know what? I'm not going to have amnesia anymore. I think I'll go back to my hiding place in Grand Central Station and find my old stuff. He picks up the cancer kit, and the cancer kit reminds him that— and the cancer kid is brought to him by – here's the thing we glossed over earlier. He hires a stable for his magic horse earlier, and he gives the money to the black stable hand. Is this a normal person? No. It's one of the magical black people that lives in movies and helps white people. Yeah. And the – now suddenly – it's Bagger Vance, if you will. It's 100 years later, and this faux Bagger Vance character is just hanging out in Central Park, and he – Tossing uh, his coin around. Tossing a coin that Colin Farrell gave him around, and he goes, here's your change, Peter. And he flips it, and there's a shimmer of light – Everything in this movie shines like crazy in the light. It's tons of glinting. And the little girl bumps into him. That character, never seen again. That Mm. magic guy. It is the most, like, token character you could throw in. And he's in, like, basically three scenes. And that he has a token. He literally has (laughs) a token. He literally has a token in the air. Uh, A magical coin? Yeah. Peter gets his memory back. He decides but to— But not go- magical gems. That's what—Russell Crowe has that, like, plate of he magic like a, gems. Yeah, that he just kind of <laughs> shakes around. And once the light flows through it and it makes, like, an image of a building, like, I'm not sure what— There's a lot of magic in this movie that we just catch glimpses of that 
is not explained enough to make it cool. And instead, it's just like, what are they doing now? And nor is, it, with this nor is it enough stuff in the background to make it feel like there's this like fleshed out world. That no, you're well, just this, is movie, this is a movie struggling against the limits of its budget constantly. I could easily see there being a movie where they don't explain the magic and that's what's great about it. Like it just is a thing that exists and you're left to pick it up. I'm not quite sure what the difference is like other than this, this movie's between what? Between a good version of a movie that doesn't explain a magic and a bad movie, except for this movie, all the I magic mean, cut is out, completely arbitrary. Cut think, out all the fucking exposition. This movie's yeah. overloaded with it. Well, that's the thing. There's a lot for, for as much as they don't explain, they over explain a lot of other stuff. That's true. Like we find out she has to pick up her daughter at 3.30. That this mm-hmm. Somebody else likes pecans. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer Connelly explains her job and that she works there and a couple other things to she's, the person. She's talking to a receptionist. She's like, I work here. Okay. I'm the food columnist. Uh, great. Why are you telling me this? So I'm here's working on a pecan piece. <laughs> yes. yeah. uh, Colin Farrell shows up at the play at a, uh, the, this place that I guess it's the newspaper offices of the, it's something called the pen reading room. Which was William? We skipped over when he met William Hurt, and they have this conversation about whether he likes to drink wine at dinner and how the words "claret" and "fillet" are pronounced. And like, it's supposed to be charming, I guess, but it's like, movie, you're killing me. Yeah, Yeah, what's with the filler? What's with the stovetop stuffing here? Come on. Yeah, this is all filler, no killer. This movie (laughs) and no Phyllis Diller. Just one Phyllis Diller laugh would have meant meant the world to me. I mean, I do think that this is what happens when a uh, screenwriter directs a movie. He's like, this is all gold. Oh, all of it is gold. We it's didn't, all staying Especially in. when it's Akiva Goldsman. He yeah. thinks it's all gold because it's gold in his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, who you may know as the writer of Lost in Space and what, Batman and Robin. Yeah, the writer of mind. A Beautiful Mind. He is the Somehow producer of a bunch a of movies. tremendously high-paid screenwriter. He's an incredibly successful Hollywood professional who has, I think, yet to make a single movie that I like that I've seen. Yeah. Agreed. Wait, I thought you said Lost in Space. That's how he got William Hurt. Yeah, all the fun times they had on set with Matt Walk. Yeah, just, <laughs> just goofing. Just goofing. <laughs> that time when they started calling it uh, uh, Lost in Case, and it was like, we're stuck in this giant suitcase. Oh, they yeah, played that, that game a goof. lot. I gotta yeah. watch the DVD really extras now. Goof. Oh, they talk about You're it spoiling a lot. Them all. There's a DVD extra called Pranks in Space, <laughs> which is all about all the practical jokes they played on the set. For instance... Yeah. Lost One day, in lace. They all like wore lingerie to the set. <laughs> yeah, only Matt LeBlanc did that. It was weird. Uh, there was one whole day where Akiva Goldsman kept calling William Hurt John Hurt as a joke. Mm-hmm. And William, by the middle of the day, William Hurt started wondering if maybe his name was John Hurt and he had been getting it wrong all these years. And he was like, so was I in Alien or is his name William Hurt and I'm John Hurt? Why do I keep getting William Hurt's mail? <laughs> <laughs> There's a problem Whose here. Whose trailer should I get in? My trailer us, or William Hurt's trailer? <laughs> Which one of us was the accidental tourist? I can't remember anymore. Was I did I do a video production of Craps Less Tape by San, by Samuel Beckett or was that the other was that the other hurt? I can't understand anymore. Was I in Spaceballs or was I not in Spaceballs? <laughs> Hold on a second. 1984. Was that me? Hurt. The song <laughs> Did I write that? <laughs> Is it about me? Boy, am I confused. And at the end of the day, Kiva Goldsman was like, prank surprise. Your name is William yeah, Hurt. But by and, that time, his sense of self had been destroyed. Oh, he was a madman. He was just a shambling, <laughs> insane 
you know, like shell husk of himself. Yeah. Uh, who am I? What? I am I John that's, William? That's, yeah. huh? that's why he hasn't been in movies lately. <laughs> <laughs> that's because that happened 20 years ago. He'll become this Renfeld character eating uh, bugs <laughs> eating and bugs whatnot. So that he can eventually work his way up to being a vampire like the master Akiva Goldsman. <laughs> Did I mention he's a vampire? He is. Anyway, <laughs> Akiva is short for Akiva Vampire. <laughs> So she, uh, he shows up at the pen reading room, which is named after William Hurt's character, and uh, he's trying to find information about whatever. And Jennifer Connelly overhears him and is like, here, I'll help you. They go back to the microfilm library, and she finds a picture from 1916 of Beverly and Peter together. But that can't be you. He hasn't aged a day. What? And she's, she even suggests that it's his dad. And I'm like, that's been 90 years, dude. <laughs> he's, he's 21 years old, clearly. How old, yeah. How old do you think his dad was when he had, maybe it's one of those like last surviving son of a Confederate general or something like that, <laughs> where they had a kid when they're in their 80s. But uh, they go to the newspaper offices and she reintroduces him to Beverly's once young, now elderly sister, Willa, played by Eva Marie Saint. Uh, they go back to the old house in Park Slope and she tells them she likes pecans. <laughs> That's basically the extent of that scene. Uh, he goes to have dinner with Jennifer Connelly and her daughter. Her daughter has a seizure, and it turns out she has cancer and is dying. This is it. This is the miracle that he was sent sent to stop. She has red hair. She's the red-haired girl he was sent to save, not his his only love. Uh-oh, Pearly, who's Wait, still alive. Wait, is he going to have sex with a little girl? No. Oh, <laughs> that God. is not what happens. As you noticed, as Zardoz said... The penis is death. The penis is evil, as he showed by killing her with his penis okay. when she died after they have sex. So, according to Zardoz's rule, a real bad Johnson. <laughs> yeah. So his enormous Johnson uh, was that what those shirts were, or was it? I, I, no, <laughs> I think it was huge Woody and Big Johnson. That's what it was. Huge, yeah, and coed naked lacrosse. Or yeah, whatever. and where do the big dogs come in? <laughs> Anywhere? Well, they 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 certainly don't sit on the porch, Dan. <laughs> Anyway, no fear, Massimo. Other <laughs> other trend shirts, Stussy. That all are what would be written on shirts that somebody with Colin Farrell's hair would be the wearing. The important thing. You know, because Colin Farrell has this like, yeah, this mid nineties high schooler haircut. Yep, a real skater boy haircut. <laughs> important thing: shirts that can only be worn by the coolest of people. <laughs> you know, and only for six months before they stop being cool. The great thing about those shirts is that they're really snug around the neck, but they flare out around the waist mm. to yeah, well, you accommodate leave, your uh, you bulky le- waistline. you got to leave room for people to see the Umbro soccer shorts that you're also wearing. Were those big when you were a kid? Mm. When I was a teen, those were I huge I mean, I was like a soccer player, months. so yeah. Everybody wore them when I was a kid, not not just I would say players. I would wear one of those shirts over a pair of Jenko jeans. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the kind of jeans that make people believe that you might not have legs at all, but you just float around on, <laughs> They're just super on currents wide. of air. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, of course, Hypercolor was also in there somewhere, too. Yeah. Slap bracelets. Come on. <laughs> Slap bracelets. I think you're getting your timelines mixed up. You got up. your bootleg Simpson shirts, <laughs> bootleg Ninja Turtles shirts, all that stuff. Anyway, uh, Pearly is still alive. He finds out Peter is still alive because his magic jewels tell him. And uh, they go to Jennifer Connolly's apartment. Uh, they es- The good guys escape on the back of Magic Horse, who shows up again and flies them away to the old house, the old castle outside of town. But what were you say? Before this, and uh, Russell Crowe goes to Will Smith, and he's like, bro, I'm tired of being in this movie. Make me a mortal <laughs> person so that if I battle this dude, I'll die for real. Well, he does that so he can leave the city. Yeah, but I think 
I mean, at this point, he's just given up. Yeah. Well, he's so, he's so driven with hate and uh, revenge, and he wants to be out of the movie. Yeah. And so they go, they escape to the castle, uh, the bad guys drive up in a bunch of cars, what a surprise, Flying Horse comes along and saves them by cracking the ice on a frozen lake, thus making all the henchmen sink into the water, killing them, I assume, mm-hmm. uh, and sinking their cars. There's a fist fight between Russell Crowe and Colin Farrell. Russell Crowe is winning handily until Colin Farrell stabs him in the neck with the nameplate from the toy <laughs> ship that brought him to New York in the first place. Probably what his dad had in mind. <laughs> yep. Uh, and Peter, like, Abby seems to die, and Peter cries on her, and it brings her back to life. And then... That was the miracle that was inside him. That was apparently. the miracle that was inside him, and his work done, he visits Beverly's grave one last time, then gets on his magic horse and flies then, off into the stars to be a star. Don't forget, like, the bullshit narration where it's like, why did this girl get saved? Who knows? Maybe everyone's important. Maybe <laughs> well, the like, world is looking out for everybody. I'm like, wait, hold on. That's not true. Like millions of people die tragically all the time. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? Well, it's what the, the fuck movie? Stop. They don't all to get me. to live in nice fucking Manhattan apartments. <laughs> or fancy park slope houses. Yeah, magic does not intervene on all of our behalves when something shitty happens. Well, similar to M. Night Shyamalan's signs, mm-hmm. in which we are told that Asmo was put on this earth to protect oh. one kid from an alien with gas coming out of his wrists once. So mm-hmm. it's like, oh, so all those people who died from it, I guess that was acceptable losses to save this one kid. So that Mel Gibson could rediscover his faith, you know, it's it's a bullshit type. Yeah, of moral. it's a borderline offensive reading of the universe. But here's what I'm going to tell you about this movie. Okay, okay. Is, it, is it particularly well made? No, the writing is logy and sloppy and boring. How are the special effects? Pretty cheap looking. Is it well shot? No. the sh- The scenes mm-hmm. always look like the camera's getting in close to hide the fact that they don't have a lot of background or budget to show you extras or things like that. What about the performances? The performances are wooden and uh, lifeless. But, but here's but the I'm, screenplay is top-notch, right? As mentioned, the writing is not so good. Okay. Uh, Logie and... Music? Uh, the music is... <laughs> forgettable? At best forgettable. <laughs> at worst, treacle. Uh, but here's what I'm going to say about the movie. Costuming. I, the costuming, fine. I mean, it's not particularly yeah. great. Costuming solid, I would say. I would say sometimes it's solid, but sometimes it looks like the same clothes are used for 1916 and 2014. That's true. Yeah, yeah, they're all sleepy hollows. Uh, yeah, uh, I will say I admire the ambition in making a fantasy romance and not playing it ironically or winking at the audience, but attempting to actually have some sort of grand emotional romantic. Uh, what's the word? Uh, what's the opposite of irony? Uh, sincerity. Sincerity. Thank you. Some real sincerity to it. I can never. That's a word I have so much trouble remembering all the time, which says bad things about me. I, but I will call say, me Mr. Antonym. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm. That's here the for. dumbest Batman villain. <laughs> I'm going to safe keep the diamond. He's going to rob it. It's Mr. Antonym. How do you know, Batman? <laughs> well, I just did the opposite of what you told me. <laughs> the escape hatch is through that door. Okay, I guess I'll take the other one. <laughs> Damn. I mean, great. Foiled again. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, uh, what, I mean, not foiled again, because I have been foiled again. And Batman's like, at what point are you not just bizarro? <laughs> We're just saying the Bad vibe, butt man. <laughs> but, butt man? It's a porno. Yeah. <laughs> this is uh, Butt Man meets Mr. Antonym. <laughs> 
Did we not mention that? <laughs> so <mix them> up. <laughs> There's it's one of those mar- crossovers with Marvel, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's one of those porn crossovers. Uh, so I th- so here, but here's <laughs> what I'm gonna say: not a good movie. Okay, but I'm always saying I'd like to see more movies that are fantasies that are not two armies clashing across a verdant New Zealand field and a bunch of dwarves and and hobbits and dragons oh, and the shit. Twitching that's going on Stuart's uh-oh. face. I'm just saying there's more to fantasy than like vaguely medieval settings. So I appreciate that a story like that was attempted, but they did it very poorly and I didn't like it. It was boring. Well so. I think I mean I think you're right. As much as I love all the the Lord of the Rings and Hobbit movies I feel like every other movie is trying to do that. Yes. Like the movie we haven't watched yet, Dracula Untold or whatever. Yeah. I'm assuming from the trailers it does the same shit. Like all the yeah. 300 clones. I mean, like fantasy does not have to instantly mean slashed leather doublets and, you Although, know, like, and like wooden wheeled carts full of hay or like uh, thatched roofs. You know, it's like I wish I'd liked this movie more because I like movies with a fantastical element that are not set in a middle earth medieval setting. Yeah. This, everything about it was really boring and dull. Yeah. So I'm just, you know, I'm skipping over final judgments because we all agree it's a bad, bad movie. I know it's kind of like if you took right now, if you took like a Terry Gilliam movie and you drained all the blood out of it. Yeah. Maybe this would, this be like was a, one of the dullest movies we've watched. This was like a John Foster dullest movie. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you want to watch a, a movie reference. that has the same kind of feel or like <laughs> what this movie's going for, go watch fucking Stardust, yeah. which is a better version of this movie, That's basically. True. And yeah, yeah, in some ways, yeah. So, uh, moving it on. It just makes me mad that this movie about Fantasy New York got made, but my screenplay about a bunch of wizards and ninjas fighting over real estate in New York and, yeah, to, I mean, the and fact Robert Moses didn't movie, get made. Yeah, the fact that your movie hinged on Robert Moses may be the reason that... All the information you need to know is there. Here's one of the things I don't like. Let me just say this, and then we'll get to the letters. Oh, boy. It, people, Does Robert Moses control the ninjas or the wizards? Uh, both, essentially. Oh, okay. Well, the ninjas, basically, but there's wizardry involved. Here's the thing. People are so ready to watch a movie where they have to learn a lot of fake, made-up mythology bullshit, like Star Wars crap or Lord of the Rings crap or whatever. Fast and the Furious crap. <laughs> but if a movie involves actual history, people are like, forget it. Don't want to learn any of that stuff. Boring. I'll tell you what. Don't tell me any, any facts about things that actually happened. Tell me about who won the Battle of Kal's Kagul back in the 8th Meridian Age against the Gorzazians. Um, okay, well, that was much nonsense. So was it in the right 8th Midian Age or the, the 12th Nomarian Age? Uh, it might, might have been it. Sure. The before, 15th Abyssian Age. Before we move, uh, before we move on to letters. Zogoth's calendar. Before we move on Back to Back when King Sorgos ruled <laughs> with his iron clockwork zombie man. Yeah? Before we move on to letters, uh, just a word of thanks. This is the first uh, show that's coming out. Post Max Fun Drive. Thank you to everyone. The Pledge Drive 2015. Thank you to everyone who supported the show. We are new to the Maximum Fun Network. And nude to the Maximum Fun so, Network. Sometimes. Um, unlike old shows that have, you know, like donors that are re-upping, like we are starting from zero in terms of donations. Less than zero. Uh, so thank you to everyone who donated and listed <laughs> us as one of the shows that they listened to. Thank you very much. Thereby throwing some money our way. I really uh, appreciate it. And we all do. And uh, there's something really nice about getting that kind of direct support from listeners when you don't have.
have to, but it shows that you really care about us and we care about you. So thank you. Thanks, guys. Hi, I'm Julie Sabatier, host of Rendered, a show about making meaning and breaking rules. Tune in to hear how learning to butcher could change your life, why turning to the internet for health advice is sometimes a good idea, and what happens when artists are really honest. I mean, I just, I think of most of my career in music and art as a bunch of failures, you know? So what keeps you going with it, then? (laughs) Check out Rendered now at MaximumFun.org or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. To move on to letters Let's talk about butts some more. (laughs) The listeners. Um, Well, what's that in Dan's hand? Mm. What's that in Dan's hand? All over the land, they're asking, "What's in Dan's hand?" It's a piece of paper. I, feel like I think. What's in my hand. I think it's a paper with writing on it. What's it say? Just, Today, if I just, dear Flophouse, on this paper there is a map to a treasure beyond measure. Like Maybe it's crap, but go and follow it there. You'll fight bears. You'll eat hares. Rabbits, that is. Not like a wig. Okay, but... <laughs> it's a magical quest in a letter for Dan. Dear Dan, you may not remember me, but this I'm the long-lost mother of your child. Letters. Bum, bum, bum. I'm a princess from Mars, and I need you to come back to rule my planet for me. Signed, Dan. Why'd you sign your own name to your fake letter that you wrote, Dan? It's not a song anymore. You're just saying things. <laughs> I'm talk singing like Rex Thanks. Harrison. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, my fair lady. Anyway, um, so first letter. Buckle in, guys. This one's a little long. Okay. Uh, we'll make it longer because we're interrupting. Greetings to Flophouse. Let me be the first to congratulate you on your upcoming 80th anniversary. Thanks, dude. Yes, huh? the privileged few remember you when you first premiered in the fall 1934 season on WEAF Radio. And your early like is it shows you how old this letter is that it's the 80th anniversary in 2014, <laughs> which was months ago. Your early rivalry with Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. Those were the halcyon days when the show was called American Telephone and Telegraph Theater presents Stan McCoy's The Flophouse. Stewart was particularly memorable during those early years as his dulcet tones helped the nation forget the ravages of the Depression. And we dreamed of a better world in which we too could ride high as the capstone of a pyramid of a water skiing bikini model. It's a shame that Stuart was fined so many times for saying bootylicious. <laughs> Truly, he was ahead of his time. The 1940s brought the Flophouse into the war effort, as Dan called on America each and every fortnight to buy war bonds. It was a shame that Elliot Daddy was a- war bonds. <laughs> it was a shame that Elliot was absent during many of those shows, but when we later learned he was in L.A., or not L.A., Los Alamos, rather, working no, on the... I guess you could call that L.A. I mean, nobody does, but... <laughs> working on the Manhattan the project. La La Land. <laughs> That's, if I was over in La La Land, you know, Los Alamos. <laughs> That's what I get for trying to shorten this extremely long letter. In Los no, Alamos. No, you picked the right way to do it, by calling Los Alamos <laughs> L.A. Working on the Manhattan Project, we knew it was for the greater good. We were trying to create a drink, a cocktail, so powerful it could blow up Japan. We didn't, but we created the Manhattan. Elliot was not a scientist, of course. He was brought in to do the first what would later become Elliot's world-famous movie screenings. After the secrecy was lifted, it was fun to learn that Oppenheimer and Feynman were huge movie buffs. I also remember your 20th anniversary television spectacular during a very special episode of The Ed Sullivan Show, in which your eager fans finally learned the true stories behind their favorite hosts. Dan McCoy, we learned, was actually Danforth Skrillex McAvoy, (laughs) old money scion of the Newport McAvoys and the Los Angeles 
Skrillexes. <laughs> he leveraged his fat. Skrilli. <laughs> he leveraged his family's vast, mournful, side-based fortune into America's most popular radio show. It seems Stuart Wellington was actually born Suprat wanted it of Thailand. <laughs> Last surviving heir to the long vanquished kingdom of Atuthia. See, seeing that he had already. See, that might be real history stuff, but the audience is like, boring. Give me some fantasy shit. Tell me something about a space empire. Are they tiger men? <laughs> seeing that he had already become the coolest Rock dude Shasas? in all of Asia, he set off on a steamer to conquer the West, taking Cleveland an American steamer. name. That sounded only vaguely like his birth name. He famously quipped to William Randolph Hearst, fuck it, close enough. <laughs> and as we all know, Elliot has no memory before the time he has found himself prowling the frozen plains of Canada, his heightened senses tracking the Arctic animals, his bone claws itching to burst forth from the backs of his hands. To this day, he doesn't speak of the secret government project that laced his bones with steel. Well, some well, nerd... Admantium. Some nerd on the John Stewart show once said they weren't steel, <laughs> but rather some kind of crazy moon man element. But he doesn't know what he's talking about. This TV appearance. Hey, I once said that. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> this TV appearance was, of course, also America's very first glimpse of the Flophouse house cat, who strutted onto stage with his greased back hair, insolent blue jeans, and dismissive smirk. <laughs> insolent blue jeans. <laughs> Never had a television appearance cause such an uproar. However, director Nicholas Ray would soon after base the movie Rebel Without a Cause in the house cat. Rebel Without a Clause, because the house cat was declawed. And the appearance stuck in the mind of a young Jim Morrison, who would later dedicate the Doors record Strange Days to him, although Morrison referred to the house cat only as his royal awesomeness. I could go on, but I leave with you this. Mostly I remember the spectacular guest hosts from Flophouse History, Lucille Ball, Jackie Gleason, Boris Karloff, Andy Kaufman, Carol Burnett, Johnny Carson, and my personal favorite, a young Michael Caine. What are your favorite memories from your illustrious careers? Congratulations on your 80 years, and here's to another 80. Nick, last name withheld. Thank you. Thanks, Nick. That was great. Nick. I mean, it took 80 years to read the thing. But yeah. Wow. It's been a long, strange time, hasn't it, guys? And it kind of makes me want to say thanks for the memories, mm-hmm. for Stuart and his pants, <laughs> for Dan and all those ants, <laughs> for me, and another thing that ends in nan- ants. <laughs> Thank you so much. We've had a fun time. It's just talking now, We've basically. We've had a, a lot of fun tonight. We've <laughs> had some fun limes. <laughs> We've committed crimes. Covered ourselves in grime. Have you heard the chimes at midnight? A movie I've never quite gotten around to seeing, but I've heard good things sometimes. Thank you. That extra, yeah, yeah. that you, reprise. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That was our old theme song. I yeah. guess we're 100 years old if this is our 80th anniversary. <laughs> yep, we're least. a bunch of Colin Farrell's, Peter Lake's, Winter's yep. Tales's. I got a miracle in me, Elliot. Would you like to see it? Um, After the show, I guess. Sounds so, weirdly sexual. This next letter is titled... Do you have a miracle in you? Would you like one? <laughs> this next letter is titled, appropriately, no. after that last letter, in case you are in need of a short letter to read on the show... And it goes like this. Ding, 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 ding. Mm. Yours in flop ship, Cassandra last name withheld of the clan last name withheld. I feel, I feel harassed. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Cassandra. You, you said that weird. Yeah, I'm not sure if the inflection was what. I don't know. I mean, Dan how sound- would you read this? Like, mmm. You, you sounded like more like someone had been kidnapped and tape put over their mouths, but they were kind of aroused. <laughs> I don't know. I just read what's on the page. I think it says. Uh, <laughs> I mean, those are, those are clearly a bunch of 
don't know how you're getting that sound. Uh, yeah. You got to make your mouth weird <laughs> and, <laughs> and then just push air out of your lungs. No, I get how you make that sound. <laughs> I just don't know how you look at what's on the page. <laughs> how do you translate that visual writing? Okay, so synapses sound. start firing in my old brain box. <laughs> okay, Laser you. beams go to my chest where I compress my diaphragm. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I appreciate a magic horse flies into your nostrils. I appreciate uh, keeping that one short. And now here's a letter that's in between those two extremes. And goes, wow, we're running the gamut tonight. Like From long letters to short letters to middle <laughs> letters, the, da- <laughs> the flop house has got it all. Popular Asian horror movie between those two extremes. <laughs> It's an anthology of just one movie, and then you have to imagine what the other two movies were. It goes like this. Hey, dudes. Hello from one of your fans. This guy sounds cool. Hello from one of your fans of African-American descent. That's right. I said fans. A few months ago, I was successfully... Were the other letters not fans? Dan, what have you been hiding from us? I was successfully able to get my older brother addicted to the podcast. More gaslighting than French Connection 2. Now I finally have another person. You mean you didn't fill him up with heroin? (laughs) (laughs) Now I finally have another person to talk to since apparently all my white friends are not nerdy slash black enough to listen to the flop house. (laughs) Recently I texted my brother excitedly that Stuart mentioned too short on the flop house. He replied, quote, nice. (laughs) This brings me to the crux of my letter. I was playing a game with my brother <laughs> to find out which of the hosts would be most mistaken for a black man based solely on their main characteristics. I mean, none of us, probably. Elliot is the front runner because of his love of Popeyes. Young black men like myself that is offensive. appreciate Popeyes <laughs> for being a sanctum of flavor and spices. It is delicious. Elliot obviously gets that. Then there's Dan, most would say the most obviously white guy of the group. But he gets props for his love of OPP, or specifically OPB, other people's butts. (laughs) He gets it. If the flopper who's most likely to have a subscription to King Magazine. (laughs) Then Stuart. He has a huge penis. That's his in. Yay. You don't know that. That's hearsay. That's That's hearsay. (laughs) From Stuart. Anywho. It's not like the National Penis Bureau released its statistics. <laughs> yeah, but it's not like, top. not like traveling scalds spread the word, the songs <laughs> yeah. of my weenus, of Jormungundir, snaking oh, its way through my gather trousers. Gather around children, I'll tell you a tale of a serpent as large as a whale. <laughs> Jesus, if I had been, if, if I had it to do over again, I would have started a rumor <laughs> about my fucking penis at the beginning of this show. Yeah, well, you didn't get, you didn't jump on that when you should have. Yeah, strike did. while the penis is hot. <laughs> <laughs> With what a hammer <laughs> turned into a Why sword is the penis? penis? Hot. I don't like that. <laughs> because you have a, fu- a consumption fever that makes you too burning up. Yeah. You got to stick your penis in snow. And he says, mm-hmm. "Anywho, I say Dan because if anything, it'll make Elliot suspicious of who actually wrote this letter." Yeah, Dan did. P.S. <laughs> I really want to win a contest so I can make you guys watch Prince's directorial debut, magnum opus, Under the Cherry Moon, the sequel to Purple Rain. Peace and love. Peace and love. Julian, last name withheld. Thanks Thank for you. writing in, Julian. Hey, thanks. Thank you for... Uh, and giving us cred. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which stands for... Thanks for writing a letter that made Dan look at me weird. Because <laughs> <laughs> it made him I wouldn't say penis. Iago weird, but a little bit weird. <laughs> Iago. Do you mean Iago from Othello or Iago from Aladdin? Wait, there's an Iago in Aladdin? <laughs> yeah, the little bird that Gilbert Gottfried is the oh, voice of. Uh, right. Jafar's right-hand bird, Iago. That's because weird. Did Shakespeare get it from... From mm-hmm. Aladdin, yeah. No kidding. Yeah, Shakespeare's plays are full of references to Disney movies. Oh, okay. 
And uh, the tragedy of Bamblet, <laughs> Deer of Denmark. Yeah, this is the last. Uh, they could also double as a porno. <laughs> mm-hmm. Has there ever been a seven porno very of short, Seven very short gentlemen of Verona. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, has there ever been a porn of Hamlet where instead of stabbing Polonius through the curtain, he's just like shoving his dick through the curtain? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, probably. Somebody make that. I mean, this is this is your time to. Yeah, you're leaving money on the table. <laughs> a lot of money. <laughs> Probably a lot of puns. Uh, so this last letter, another short one. Dear Elliot. That's me. Which Busby Berkeley number is pervious? By a waterfall or dames? Sincerely, PJ, last name withheld. Well. Yes, please recommend more pre-code musicals. Okay. Uh, I mean, well, Dames is my favorite of those. But uh, Buyer Waterfall, I mean, the girls look neuter. Whereas Dames, though, is just about dames. I would say it's in, is it in Roman Scan? No, it's in uh, Fashions of 1934, I think, is the number where the women were actually nude in certain shots and just had their hair covering different places. But, uh... Yeah, I remember the Gold Diggers of 1933 is some pretty racy shit. It's super racy, <laughs> but I, I don't know it's say pervy, though. Yeah. No, you know what? The perviest is maybe some of the stuff in, uh, is it is it in Footlight Parade, the Honeymoon Hotel number? I think that's the one where, uh, where uh, why am I forgetting his name? What's the name of the, uh, the dwarf actor who was in tons and tons of stuff? I don't know. Uh, Kenny Baker. No, not Kenny Baker. Oh, wait. Warwick Davis. No, not Warwick Davis. Um, oh, this is frustrating. Uh, well, anyway, he is like, I want to say he like. Udo is, Kier. It's implied that he just slept with a guy's wife on her honeymoon. And I think he throws something at him as he scurries under the bed. Or uh, I don't know. You know what? I saw a clip from flying down to Rio recently where they had like ladies on the wings of a plane where clearly nipples visible through the, uh, the bodysuits they were wearing. I mean, that's possible. I mean, nothing beats the one scene in the movie The Hurricane, the John Ford movie, where the wind literally just blows a woman's clothes off for a split <laughs> second, and you can see her boobs in the movie in the 30s, and you're like, wait, what? What just happened? <laughs> Is this screwballs? <laughs> I'm looking up this name, because it's really... Oh, uh, Billy Barty. That's yeah. what I'm thinking of. Anyway, the... Uh, so nudity of the classic era is the more. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is in the 30s, they got away with a lot more of that stuff. Yeah. But uh, pre-code musicals, I mean, Dames is my favorite of those. But you can't go wrong with Gold Diggers 1933 or the uh, Lullaby or Broadway sequence in Gold Diggers 1935. The rest of the movie is not so amazing. But that one sequence, which is like 12 minutes long, is amazing. Um, so now we move on to our <coughs> final segment of the evening, Recommendations. Final judgments. No. <laughs> no. Was this a good, bad episode? No. A bad, bad episode? Jesus. Bad, bad. <laughs> really? I didn't think it was that bad. Uh, this is the part of the show where we recommend movies that we actually liked, that we would uh, recommend that instead of uh, Winter's Tale. And if I can go first, oh, okay. I'd like to recommend a movie full of magic, sure. romance, and history. It's called Winter's Tale. No. It stars Mr. Colin no. Farrell, my fave. Colin Firth? It stars Colin Firth and some lady from Downton Abbey, Maggie Smith, I think. Mm -hmm. And they fall in love in the past. There's a magic horse voiced by uh, Bobcat Goldthwait. Uh, he's named Hot to Try. And <laughs> That's yeah, his name? And, yeah. <laughs> and he keeps wondering who's Harry Crumb. <laughs> <laughs> he just doesn't know. And meanwhile, Salacious Crumb is like, my brother, Harry. We run a plumbing business together. Meanwhile, Bronze and Pinchot has the second sight. <laughs> so you just got to blame it on the bellboy when Dunstan checks in. And there are a couple of loose cannons <laughs> running around. <laughs> in those four rooms. 
<laughs> what other hotel movies are there sure. for dogs in yeah. Rwanda? <laughs> oh, boy. Watch out. There's angels in that outfield. Uh-oh. But blame it on Rio. <laughs> because the devil's in a blue dress. Field of Dreams. <laughs> So that's that last the movie. one, I feel like, is in a way different vein than the other yeah. movies. Uh, I guess you're just going to have to go find Oliver and company <laughs> and throw them in the Black Cauldron, <laughs> where they'll spend 120 <laughs> days of Sodom. In Fern Gully, the last rainforest. <laughs> where you can find Baby, Legend of the Lost Dinosaur. But nobody puts Baby in a corner in the movie Dirty Dancing, or as it's also known, Grimy Footloose. <laughs> <laughs> There's gonna be some Havana Nights, Dirty Dancing too. So, and who can forget Flintstones Viva Rock Vegas? <laughs> where Theodore Rex Who can forget that? <laughs> makes a quick change <laughs> because he he's trapped in paradise where he's finding nothing but trouble with a tale of two kitties. And he's looking for an exit <laughs> So Destiny turns on the radio. And he gets married to the mob before his honeymoon in Vegas. Where I love you to death. Moonstruck. All dogs go to heaven. My blue heaven. For Rockadoodle. But that's when Harley Davidson and the Marble Man show up. For the air up there. Juana Man. It's some cool runnings. As Ladybugs meets MVP Most Valuable Primate, because Airbud, life on the streets. <laughs> it's a real, it's a real HBO documentary's hookers at the point. <laughs> well, watch out when, for those BMX bandits, <laughs> because they are breaking to Electric Boogaloo all the rules. <laughs> This next Karate Kids is full of solar babies. <laughs> and they're home alone. <laughs> but watch out when Space Hunter adventures in the Forbidden Zone. Find some space truckers. <laughs> On the ice planet with Krull. And, and, some, ice and some ice pirates. <laughs> I meant to say ice pirates when I said ice planet. No. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a real planet terror. And Planet Hollywood. Uh, okay. That was good. I needed that laugh. So what are you recommending, Elliot? Anyway, so this movie is called Winter's Tale. <laughs> you son of a bitch. It's a story of magic, mirth, mayhem, monsters, murder, and a man. And myrrh. And you myrrh. A man? <laughs> so, Dan, why don't you go first? Uh, okay. Uh, this is not a... I would say this is not a full-throated recommendation. It's deep throat. But it's a but I, it's a movie I enjoy. So how much of the throat? Like half full? Because uh, I'm more of a throat half empty type oh guy. Oh, boy, God damn it. It's just a movie that I had fun watching. Uh, I went out and I saw... Check your brain at the door, you know? Is that so wrong? No, it is. To it have is, a little fun while traveling through this veil of tears? It is a little bit of a check your brain. But uh, I enjoyed... But again, we've talked about this. Keep the ticket. Don't lose your brain. <laughs> I enjoyed Run All Night, the new... Um, Liam Neeson actioner, um, mostly because it had uh, some good character actors in. In addition to Liam Neeson, you got Joel, Joel Kenneman, you've got 
Ed Harris. You've got Vincent D'Onofrio. It's pronounced cinnamon. <laughs> okay. It's pronounced Don Refrio. <laughs> Vincent Don Frio. And is that um, a common in it? It has the common, gangster rapper. Common is in <laughs> gangster <laughs> rapper. Uh, Academy Award winner. Um, and for an action movie, it takes its time setting up the scenario. And, but then once the scenario is set up, I feel like the action moves along like like a shot. Like there's very little dead time once uh, the scenario is set in place. Okay. And so it's an it, old set them up, knock them down movie. Yeah. No, I mean, like you actually you care about what the what where the characters are uh, when the action starts. And there's some inventive action sequences, in particular, one that takes place in a high rise uh, uh we, we, uh, like a housing project, and um, like dread, or yeah, the raid. of of the I, it got a lot of kind of mixed reviews, but I think that's because there's a bit of a uh, there's a little bit of a Liam saturation action backlash right now. Yeah, but I think it's one of the. It's time for a new elderly action star, Sean Penn in The Gunman. <laughs> He's armed with the truth. It's one of the high, and a gun. <laughs> it's one of the higher tier uh, Liam Neeson action movies. I would put well, it up there. How many there. wolves does he fist fight? Uh, there are no wolves, but just I, wolves that wear the flesh of men. I enjoyed Daywalkers, it. known as criminals. <laughs> oh, okay. I did not. Uh, you know, I still probably enjoy something like Taken more, but like it's up there with something like Nonstop, like a fun. So you're saying you were Taken with Run All Night? Oh, I, I was Taken with Run All Night. I, I had fun. It Tolkien. was it was a silly action movie. I enjoyed it. You were Tolkien. What if the movie was called Tolkien and it was an action movie with Liam Neeson as J.R.R. Tolkien? Like C.S. Cool. Lewis gets kidnapped and Tolkien has to save him. I like it. In their their special club, the Men Whose Names Are Just Initials Club. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's. My the entirety of my recommendation. Okay, so who's not, is Elliot going to just name a bunch more movie names? <laughs> Probably. Do you want me to go next or do you want to go next? No, I can go next. Uh, I'm going to recommend a movie that uh, has been getting a lot of press lately, uh, and I think for great reason, you should go see It Follows. That's what I, thought you oh, I, that. I want to see it. Because it's fucking scary. I haven't even babaduked yet. I um, want to see It Follows. It's, it Follows is great. It's, I mean, I'm just parroting what everybody else is saying but it's genuinely very but, scary oh, cracker <laughs> go see it in the theaters the the uh the score is wonderful and it it genuinely like will make you feel trapped in this terrifying world that the movie creates so i told i don't want to talk about the plot too much but just go see it it's scary it's great sounds good i want to see it uh, i don't know why you're looking at me ellie you're the only one who hasn't Recommended movie You're a handsome yet. guy. Why not look at you? Thanks, bye. I want to recommend two movies real quick. One is a movie I think I've recommended before, but I feel like that what we watched tonight was a failed movie that was a fantasy set in America's past. Mm-hmm. I'd like to recommend one of my favorite movies, which is a very successful, I feel, fantasy <clears> set in America's <throat> past, which is The Devil and Daniel Webster, directed by William Dieterle and uh, starring Edward Arnold and Walter Houston. Walter Houston being, I think, my favorite ever screen devil. Uh, he's never like cackly evil but he comes off as so sinister but yet charming and at the end he steals a pie and it's uh like it's the kind of like corn pone devil in of america that is pretty sophisticated but he still steals a pie at one point yeah. uh it's well worth it it's available on the criterion collection dvd or whatever so go netflix it uh the devil and daniel webster it's like it's a movie about american history and kind of creepy ghost stories and there's some funny stuff in it so it's like they decided to make a movie for me like 40 years before I was born. Mm-hmm. 
The other movie it's I'm like gonna the Burger King Kids Club. It's for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> because which kid am I? Am I the nerd or the kid in a wheelchair <laughs> in the Burger King Kids Club? You're, I'm not the girl. You're the chubby one. <laughs> oh man, Wait they're all chubby. It's Burger King. <laughs> uh, is the kid in the wheelchair named Wheels? Probably. I remember the nerd was named. That's IQ. his given name. <laughs> his, his, his name is Wheels Wheelingsworth. <laughs> of the, the Wheelingsworth fortune. The third, my good man. Uh, the other movie I want to recommend is last episode. I recommended a uh, Yugoslavian movie by uh, Dusan Makavej. I don't know how to pronounce it. Perfect. Uh, called uh, that was called Man is Not a Bird. Mm-hmm. I, ha- I actually watched. Now I'm going to recommend Man is a Bird. Uh, the, the rebuttal <laughs> from Birdman. <laughs> uh, I want to recommend another movie that he made that I saw recently that I liked called Love Affair or The Case of the Missing Switchboard Operator, which is okay. it's about a man and a woman meeting and falling in love and starting to build a life together until something terrible happens. But also we know from the beginning that this woman is going to end up dead. And so we're kind of wondering what's going to happen to her the whole time. But the movie is less about any sort of suspense in that and more about the moments these two people share under the living under the strictures of a communist government, but also with us knowing that things are going to end badly. And I kind of got from it a thing about how fleeting those moments are. You know, we all know death waits at the end of them. And there's a lot, Daniel like it because there's a, a fair amount of nudity in it with a very pretty woman. Sure. But since we've already seen her be autopsied earlier in the movie. All right. The whole t- there's something about it where the whole time you're th- you just, it, each time you see her, she's beautiful, but it reminds you how fragile she is. Does the director cut between shots of her alive and on the slab? No. He to remind you that she's going to die? No, he does not because it is not a stupid movie. <laughs> uh, but I, there's some, there's some, Funny stuff in it, but it's also a sad movie. In this, it's just really interestingly put together, and I liked it a lot. So, The Devil and Daniel Webster. If you're looking for a fantasy with a happy ending, love affair, or the case of the missing switchboard operator. If you're looking for more of a everyday realism movie that does not have a happy ending. Well, guys, that's it. This this winter's tale has come to an end. Mm-hmm. Close up your book happily. Tie it up. I wish this winter would come to an end. It's technically spring and it's still freezing out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Dan, what do we learn from this winter's tale? Um, Not to listen to people that suggest we watch movies on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thanks to everybody who suggests we watch this piece of junk. <laughs> yeah, forget all that we said about appreciating our listeners for donating to us because, like, six people said, watch Winter's Tale, and we listened to them, and it was a torturous evening. So, But you stayed awake. Dan stayed awake, but at one point he was literally... Punching himself on the forehead, I guess, hoping to knock himself out. <laughs> I just wanted to feel something at that point, Ellie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you were feeling something. Boredom. Yeah. But uh, thank you for joining us here on the Flop House and uh, signing off until next time. Yeah. I've been Dan McCoy. That's been Elliot Kalen. And over there is Stuart Wellington saying thanks to the Pledgers. Good night, everyone. Winter. Ba-pow. Well, when you got chops like this, you don't even need to try anymore. That's the first thing. try. Slammed it out of the park. Slam. <laughs> don't say slam and salmon. Super, that's what you want to say. Super slam jam. Slam dunk grand slam. Patrick. Moon over my hammy. <laughs> Touchdown. <And> Extra point. <laughs> <laughs> and David says this isn't a sports podcast. Last night, uh, David texted me in all capital letters. 
Bob McKenzie was at the show last night? And I texted back to him, I do not know who that is. <laughs> hey, folks, this is Kevin Allison. If you love Maximum Fun Podcast, but you don't yet know about risk... You don't know what you're missing. Check us out. Risk is the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share in public. So it's kind of like This American Life or The Moth, but way, way more uncensored. On Risk, we say nothing is inappropriate until something is. Every episode is an emotional roller coaster. Hilarious stories, shocking stories, horrifying stories, heartbreaking stories, tear-jerking stories. Risk is just jam-packed with stories you'll never forget, many from people you already know and love. So find us at iTunes or at risk-show.com or, of course, at MaximumFun.org. Risk!